Job? Job what? 22 and verse? And verse 28? And what is written in there? For you shall declare a thing and, and it shall be established. For you shall declare a thing and it shall be established. Then you went on to say what? The light shall shine upon your ways. Hallelujah. You shall declare a thing and it shall be established. The light shall shine upon your ways. And further down, what does it say? Then you should do what? When men are cast down, thou shall say, There is lifting up, and he shall save the humble one. Because you are standing and declaring things that will be established, that will be written. You know, when we say something established, it means it is written and confirmed. Yeah? When somebody falls, when you see somebody has fallen, when you see somebody is low, you will be able, by your declaration, lift that person up. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. That is what the further details of you speaking a word, you speaking something, and it being established. That is what it means. So you see, that's your mandate. That's my mandate. Because you are standing. You are making a declaration. But there are many all around you. Maybe even members of your family. Maybe your colleagues at work. Maybe people in your village that you know who are down. Because they do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They are down. You, by the word of your declaration, by the word of your mouth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can lift them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. If that will be your declaration this year, then you know what will happen? Back name will change. Amen. Is my microphone working all right? Yes. yes. Back will do what? Yes. It will change in what direction? People will turn around and they will know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Not only will that thing change, but people around you, in your neighborhood, will change. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Your family members who are unbelievers, they will change. Amen. Because by the word of your mouth, you are going to be lifting them out of darkness. Amen. If you will declare and believe in your heart what your declaration is will be sanctified in heaven. God will stand behind your declaration and make it come to pass. So today I have titled my sermon to you Think Big Like Jesus Talk Big Like Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say what? Think Big Like Jesus and talk big like Jesus. If you forget anything at all today, let this message remain, let that title remain in your head. Repeat it to yourself every day, repeat it to yourself everywhere you are, and it will become your reality. 
Because the Bible has said so, I did it say so. It says, you shall declare a thing and it shall be... Did I say that? God said it in his word. And what God says, he intends to fulfill. God never speaks out something that he does not intend to fulfill. Because we have seen from history and from the word of God that every time he spoke, he fulfills it. When God says something, it literally happens. Because his word has physical abilities. Amen? Amen. I am going to be talking very slow today so that you will get every word that I speak. Because it is very crucial. It will determine how big your tomorrow will be. Amen? Amen. I have a big tomorrow. I have a great tomorrow. My family has a great tomorrow. Because I have declared that I am going to be big. That my kids are going to be big. That my wife is going to continue to be big. Amen? Amen. We are already big. We are going to get bigger and bigger. Amen? Amen. Bigger in the eyes of God. Bigger in front of Satan. As we stand, Satan will see us as giants. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what I want for each and every one of you. That's what I want for each and every child that is represented here. That is what I want for every family that is represented here. Not me. God wants that to happen. God wants you to talk big like Jesus did, think big like Jesus did, and achieve those big things. You see, God never spoke of something into being except he has first had it in his mind. Hallelujah. Amen. God never spoke something into being except he has first had the architecture of it in his mind. So let me come down to your level if that is too high. Before this building was built, Somebody sat down and drew it on paper. We call that person an architect. So he had a mental frame of what this thing will look like. Then he put it on paper. And after he had put it on paper, the material engineer looked at what it will take for such a building to stand. And the material engineer then says, you need iron rods there, you need iron rods here, you need concrete, this much of cement and stone and water mixed and these proportions poured all over here and then this building can rise and it will stand firm. So the material engineer gives the contractor the understanding of what he must do with all the calculations. The contractor comes and he does precisely what the material engineer has said and this building comes into existence. It becomes a beautiful building, you can come in you can sit down, you can enjoy it. It all started here, in the mind. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You see, uh, so when I tell you this, then you know I'm an architect. Do you understand? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I'm telling you something that I'm very, very familiar with. But I'm very familiar also with a lot of things. But I will not tell you everything today. Today, I want you to understand how God's principles work. He first thought about it here. And then he spoke it out in word, and it came into being exactly as he wanted it to be. Are you understanding me? So when you are going to speak something into being, I want you to picture it here mentally. 
Praise the Lord. Picture it here mentally and then speak it out in conference with what the word of God says and it shall be established. Don't speak out vague words. Don't speak out things you have not sat down and imagined what the end of it is going to be like. Hallelujah. Amen. So when I say I want Vahni to totally be for the glory of God, what I'm talking of is that every single person here in the city of Vahni will come to understand who Jesus Christ is and submit to his lordship. That's my greatest desire and my biggest passion. And if that becomes your greatest desire and your biggest passion, no matter how long you are going to stay here, you can pray it into being. That's just an example. There are other things that you might think, oh, this is what I want to happen. This is where I want to be in my profession. This is what I want my business to look like. I want you to sit down and plan it and say, this is where I want to be. And let me give you an example. Sister Deswa, Pastor Deswa wanted to establish a, a restaurant, African restaurant, in Bakhni. Then she has consulted a lot of people to, to help her uh, draw a business plan. And many of them drew plans. I think one of them even drew a plan. She went to the bank and said, ah, this one doesn't look like a business plan. Throw it away. So she came and said, that's something. Here, I need uh, help. How can I build a restaurant? How can I establish a restaurant? And I said, oh. You want to, okay, let's sit down and let me show you how it works. So I sat down and I, I wrote a business plan for her. I said, this is how it works. You need this amount of money. You need a place like this. You need this and that and that to establish it. Then you can go to the bank and you get money. You need to have a plan of how many restaurants you can, how many customers you can expect in a day, in a week, in a month. And then that will tell you how much money you will earn by the end of the month. And the bank can see whether or not is that feasible or is not feasible. If it is feasible, they say, ah, she will earn enough income every month to be able to pay us back our money and our interest. If that is possible, you will get it. Ask her. She went and the money lender says, good, here is your money. Go and start your business. If you do not sit down and make a mental picture of where you want to be, you cannot declare anything. Amen. Am I being clear to you? Yes. So maybe you heard Pastor say at crossover and last Sunday, declare a thing and it shall be established. And you are sitting down, oh, but I'm declaring, I am going to be this, I am going to be this. Have you seriously considered what it is to be what you are talking about? I have only one slide to present to you today. Uh, and when they put it on, on the screen, you will see what I'm saying. Very only a few lines, and we'll be finished. Then you have time to pray about these things that you want to declare. So let me see how many people have declared us by the end of this year they're going to get married. How many people made that declaration? <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, people are declaring for me. <laughs> Any other one? One, two, three. Okay. How many people made a declaration that by the end of this year they will have a baby? <laughs> hey, you're not doing it in agreement. 
They will have been promoted at their, in their job. Uh -huh. And how many have made a declaration that by the end of this year, their business will be earning double what they were earning at the beginning of the year? You see, all you are doing is that you are affirming what you have mentally. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you say double what you were earning, then you have to think of how much was I earning at the end of this year? Maybe 20,000 per year. At the end of this year, I want to be earning 40,000. Right? Then you start to take steps that will ensure that you, you earn 40,000. Yeah? What steps will you take? If it is a business, you start to increase your outreach. You start to increase your uh, promotion. You start to, uh, uh, to do what you call it, the gorilla marketing to ensure that you are getting many, many more people. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You start to do all those things to ensure that you do what? Hello? Are you hearing me? I'm saying those who say you want your incomes to reach double. These are some of the things you'll be doing. So I'm telling you also that when it comes to marketing, I am there. You can come and see me. <laughs> I'll teach you how to do gorilla marketing. <laughs> I'm talking big. Yes. Amen? Yes. Because I want to increase, I want to increase also my salary. When you come to talk to me, I'll not do it for you for free. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Are you Pastor, I want to increase my salary. How can I do it? Then I'll do it for you for free. I also want to increase my salary. <laughs> so first of all, what you need to understand is, as a believer, Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, that we have the mind of Christ. I'm not saying it too. Bible says, as a believer, we have the mind of Christ. It means, the way Jesus thinks, that's how we think. Hallelujah! If you don't know this yet, <laughs> then um, we need to talk seriously. Serious conversation between you and me. Because I want to know why you don't understand that you have the mind of Christ. I want to know why. If you explain to me why you don't know that you have the mind of Christ, then I can explain to you why you must have the mind of Christ. After service, let's meet out there and have a conversation. Okay? Because it is the basis of what is going to make your declaration the same as what Jesus declares. Amen? We have the mind of Christ. I think like Jesus. You must think, act, walk, behave, dance, jump like Jesus. Because you have the mind of Jesus. God gave you that ability when he implanted the Holy Ghost into you. When he poured the Holy Ghost into you, he gave you the ability, he transformed the way your mind works to the way the mind of God works. And sometimes, you, your flesh still wants to take control of your mind. 
But the Holy Ghost continuing to work in you will tell you at that moment, this, what you are thinking, is not of God. And immediately, you switch over. Allow the Holy Ghost thoughts to once again have control. You have the mind of Christ. That is what God has declared about every child that has been granted access into his presence. And when you read Philippians 2 verse 5 down to 8, it will describe to you the things that Jesus Christ thinks about. He says, even though he was God, he did not think being God was something to be grasped. But he humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. Jesus thinks like this. I and the Father are one, but I cannot grab all the authority from the Father simply because I am also God. No. I humble myself. and Let the Father instruct. Let the Father have the authority. Let the Father tell me what to do. Let the Father tell me this is what I want to happen. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said humbly to the Father, even though I know you have authority to cause this cup to pass away from me, this suffering that I am going to go through, I know you can take it. In fact, I can tell legions and legions of angels and they will come down and they will wipe away all these people who are threatening my life. It, could, it, it can happen. But it is not what I want to happen. Your will be done. He submitted to the will of the Father. And he wants this same mind to be in us. He says, let this same mind that was in Christ be in you. That's how the passage in Philippians begins. Let this same mind that is in Christ be also in you. So how does Jesus think? He submits himself to the Father. And he takes authority over everything else that is darkness. He takes authority over everything else that is what? I want you to say it quite loud. Jesus humbles himself to the Father, but he takes authority over everything else that is darkness. Yes. Which means, all of us, thinking like Jesus, to so submit to the Father, but we must take authority over everything else that is darkness. Point number one is that. That's how Jesus thinks. Think big. And you're not taking authority over just one small demon or two small demons or three small witches or those witches in your village. <laughs> I remember once I was back home and the witches in the village came to challenge me. And the way the devil, uh, the, the angels came on my roof and dealt with them, they were very sorry. <laughs> he beat them mercilessly. I got up in the morning, there was evidence. In those days, my roof was touched. And I could see the struggle on, the, on my roof of the witches. They have, you know, fighting and they stepped on the touch and everything was so young. It's like they were having a, a dance party or so. And when the angel came, I was lying down in my room and I was praying and I came outside and I, I saw this bright light and I said, wow. I didn't know that light could be so bright. It's brighter than you can ever imagine. 
when you are a servant of God, when you are a child of God, when the Holy Ghost is filled and indwelling you and go with you everywhere you go, I'm telling you, every witchcraft, every power, every authority in darkness is under your soul. But the devil has struggled a lot with me. Oh. I can tell a lot of stories. One time he came and he grabbed my neck <laughs> like this. Physically, physically. Physically. He wanted to suffocate me. And the Holy Ghost said, say in Jesus' name. And he was running when I mentioned the name of Jesus. He was running and I chased him down my house. I chased him down the staircase. And he ran out of the door. And I didn't unlock my door before I went to bed. But my door was standing open because he had to go out. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. He will find his way out. Yes. When the name of Jesus Amen. is mentioned. Declare a thing and it shall be established. I say do what? Get a mental picture established in here of what you want to declare. And then declare it and work towards it, and it will happen. And the reason why you should do so is because you have the mind of Christ. So let me stop here first and ask a question. If you are here, and Jesus Christ is not, and Jesus Christ is not truly, 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 and honestly, Lord of your life, if he's not the one pulling the strings everywhere you go, and things you do, things you buy, even foods food you eat and ever, all the kind of things. Sometimes some foods can be dangerous to you as a Christian. You don't know. Yes. Uh, it's true. Some foods, if you eat some foods too much, it can be dangerous for your health. Yes. If you drink too much alcohol, it can be dangerous for your health. It can be dangerous for your testimony. Yes. <laughs> Amen? Amen. When you drink too much and you are like that. And the people are like, uh, who is this guy? We thought he was, we saw him in the church, he was praying in tongues. And now he's a uh, booze and dragging himself like this. You don't even know where you are, let alone to say Jesus is Lord. <laughs> some foods too much are dangerous. You can have some food, eh? But not too much of it. My sports teacher used to say, um, too much of everything is bad. And every bad thing is a sin. And the wages of sin is <laughs> Is it true? It's true, eh? The wages of sin is there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what I, what I want you to do is uh, to understand that when you have the mind of Christ, you are humble before God, you are dependent on Him. Luke 5 tells us Jesus Christ was always dependent on the Father. What did He do? He went every day at the end of the evening to go after He had talked and ministered to a lot of people. He, had, he goes back and then He had a very serious conversation with the Father. Amen? Amen? To show that He is what? Not only humble, but totally dependent on the Father. That's how dependent we are on God. But we only come to God when we want to, we need something from Him. We come to God only when we need something from Him. 
That's how most of us, our life is. But today, I, uh, I ask that you protect me. This generator, I'm going, you know. This generator, I'm going, you know. Make it a successful journey, you know. But I'm praying, you know. This exam, I'm going to write, to make a pass. Oh. And what if wrong you don't pass? Then God is not God. Eh? This application, I'm applying for this job, oh, but I make her get it, too. If that's the only way you come to God, I'm sorry, you won't be getting anything in response. <laughs> that's not the way Jesus came to God. When Jesus came to God, he came to God because God was his father. Like when we were having Sunday school, and uh, this small boy ran into his mother. Eh? I'll give another example. I saw this happen on national television. In, that was back in the 1990s. How many of you were born at that time? <laughs> <laughs> no, old in Ghana, there was a, a president who was a military man. He had gone to one of the cities to visit. And the paramount chief came down dressed in his white pure regalia. He sat down there on, the, on his throne and there were drumming, there was television cameras everywhere. And all of a sudden, this small boy was running from the main compound running very, very fast to his father with his hand, soiled with palm oil soup. <laughs> he was eating. Then he was running. My mother refused to give me. My mother refused to give me. And he was running to the, to the dad, who was the paramount chief. He ran, and the dad sitting down there in all his white clothing, with the president sitting next to him. The dad opened his arms like this, and the boy ran into him with his palm oil hands. And everybody was like, first when he was running, the security people, they wanted to stop, and then they chief raised his hand like this. So they all stopped. And his son ran to him. He says, my mother refused to give me the meat. <laughs> <laughs> that was his complaint. My mother refused to give me the meat. And the father said, ah, it's okay. You will get what me. Don't worry. And he just put his head on his just like this, and relaxed. That's how you ought to come to your father. Praise the Lord. In all confidence, the boy didn't mind whether there was a Sujaman there or not, whether there were guns there or not, whether there were security people or not. Whoever was there, did he care? He ran into his father's arms with his soiled palm oil hands. He didn't care whether his father's dresses would be dirty or not. All he understood and knew was that, this is my father, and I am going to him. Amen? Amen. So how do you go to God? So our fasting and prayer, that's what it's supposed to do. To make us come to our Father with all confidence. Amen? Amen. Don't, and to come to your Father in all confidence, there has to be some kind of identity. Okay? You have to be born of Him. That's why I'm saying, if you are not yet, you haven't declared Jesus Christ personal Lord as Savior yet. What I'm talking now will all be nonsense. First, you need to be born of him. You need to be identified with him. And we'll talk a little bit more about identifying ourselves with, with Christ in a, in, a, in a short while. But Jesus, because he was submitting to the Father, always spoke of what he has seen from the Father. He always spoke of what he has seen and heard from the Father. And that's what he always said. I declare what I have heard from my father. You need to always declare what you have heard and seen from the father. 
And I mean literally. Literally speak of what you have heard God tell you to speak of. I don't want to come and preach to you a sermon that is made from my own mental concoction. Hey, I'm a good orator. When it comes to that, I can tell you. If you give me any topic at all, I can sit down and prepare and I can come and talk like I'm the professor in it. That is a gift God has given me. But when it comes to preaching the word of God, I don't come and do oratory here. I ask God what he wants somebody to lay down in his heart that will build a foundation that will make sure that he will be like the child of God that he wants you to be. And when God confirmed that this is what must be spoken, then I will declare it. And then I know that as I am declaring, it will be... So I am trusting that what I am telling you today will be established in your hearts, it will be established in your life, it will be established in your family. You will bear and continually know that you have the mind of Christ, that you will be able to speak the things you have imagined in your mental mind, in your spiritual mind, and that as you are declaring those things, God in heaven will confirm, will affirm them, and make them come to pass. So Jesus Christ always spoke what he heard from the Father. I will tell you what I have heard from the Father. If you say, God, I will not utter a word unless I am sure that this is what you want me to say, then I will say it. Are you listening to me? Then there will be very, very, very little that you will ever say that will offend anybody. Alright? If you will put that zip on your mouth and say, this zip will open only when my spirit tells me God will be happy with what I am going to say. You will never offend anyone on earth. Except when you challenge them about their faith. Because you won't say anything that will make anybody angry. You won't say anything that will be only about your personal aggrandizement. You won't say anything that is selfish. You will not say anything that is uh, motivated by self-gain. Because the Spirit will not have told you to say those words. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to lie. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to gossip. I don't believe so. It is impossible for the Holy Ghost to tell you, one day, Sister Lucia, the other day, I saw this gentleman going to hell. <laughs> the Holy Ghost will never tell me to do that. Praise the Lord. The Holy Ghost will tell you only things that will lift you up, that will lift her up, that will lift her up. The Holy Spirit will tell you only things that will build him up. And those are the things that you will speak to him. Those are the challenges that you will lay before him. And if the Holy Ghost has revealed to you that somebody's life is not in order, he will not be telling you this person's life is not in order that you should go and become CNN. <laughs> He's telling you, so you will go and sit down with that person and say, here is the evidence that the Holy Ghost has laid before me and I want to challenge you in love. Change your life. Amen. And that person's life will become different. Amen? Amen? Those are the things that when you talk, when you speak, they become established and they become Things that God has signed up to. 
And so because of that, Jesus could speak big things. Because he knew everything he was going to say would come to pass. Yeah? Jesus knew that everything he was going to say would come to pass. Because he had heard his father speak of them. He had heard the father demonstrate that this is what he wanted to happen. That's why he declared that you and I are his friends. Are you the friend of Jesus? We sing that song, I am a friend of God. Oh, right? I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. He called you friend. So if he called you friend, then truly, truly become his fellow, not his backbiter. Amen? And when we talk of friends, I'll tell you about my own personal life. There was a friend I had in secondary school. This one, I don't tell many people about my life. Unless you get close to me, you don't hear all the stories about me. This young lady was so close to me that everybody in secondary school was calling her SP's wife because I was senior prophet. So everybody was calling her, this is SP's wife. For me, it didn't mean anything. Even the headmaster hated me. Because he was in love with that girl. But the girl didn't love him. The girl wanted to be my friend. The girl was not ready to marry yet. And it so happened that three, three boys decided to experiment on whether or not we really knew each other. So they successfully, one after the other, had an office. They sent, one of them went and said, go and tell Doris, she was called Doris. She's still called Doris anyway. And we are still friends. Go and tell Doris that uh, Senior Anibi says he wanted that pen in his drawer in the office there. So when the boy went, Doris said, no. If Samson wants to send somebody to come and collect the pen, it's not a person like me he sent to, to me. I was like, how is that possible? How can she just know that he will not send anybody like me to come and collect the pen? So he went away because he knew he was lying. Hmm. One hour later, the second boy went. And these were my classmates, eh? not just any other. My classmates, people who knew me very well, I would say. The second one went. I said, hey, Doris, somebody said I should come and collect a pen from you. Then she said, ah. So, you people, what's wrong with you guys? This is a lie. Samson will never send you to come and collect a pen from you. If he needs a pen, I know the kind of person he will send to come to me. So, I'm not going to give you that pen. Then the third person went, and this was hilarious. He went there so dramatically. He look, he's you know doing some very serious thing, and he's spending, he's finished, and then he's saying, he says, "Ah, um, wait, 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 wait. I'm coming. I'll go and get it for you." So she stood in the window and she called a junior boy and says, "Hey, come, 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 run, go behind the lab." The lab. Senior prophet is sitting there. Tell him I say he should come. She knew where I was always. That's when somebody who is your friend knows about you. Eh? He knows where I, wherever you are. She knew where I was always. So if she needed me, she could always find. She knows where to find me. She will send somebody to exactly where I will be. Why? Because I told her everywhere I was going.
Jesus is your friend. He knows where you are every time. When Jesus is your friend, do you know where he is every time? See, I, I wanted to understand that issue of intimacy, which Jesus used to declare you his friend. When you say, Jesus is my friend, this is what it means. So I came at the uh, instance of this young boy, and at the window, Doris said, look, three people have come here successfully after each other, and they said they wanted to, that you have sent them to collect a pen from me. I told them, you will not send anybody like that. I said, of course, you know my mind. I will not send any of those people to come and collect a pen from you. And the guy was still standing, or the last person was still standing in the room. So I entered and I said, ah, Charlie, but you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> He says, so we, just wanted, we just wanted to test and see whether you people are really friends. And now we know. If somebody were to test you like that with Jesus, would they find you truly know Jesus Christ? Will your neighbors truly say, I see Jesus in this person's life? Or do they see you in your house and your neighborhood, they see you differently? And then on Sunday also, they see you differently. It's a very serious question that you need to think of. When you are on Sunday, you are Christian. On Monday to Saturday, you are Jata, we say in my language. <laughs> eh? Jata means uh, lion. <laughs> Anybody who crosses your path, you ah! <laughs> <laughs> What are you from Monday to Saturday? I have only five minutes, eh? Okay. I will do my best. <laughs> um, are you, have you understood the issue of friendliness? No, not friendliness. Friendship. As, that means you are closely associated with each other, right? There's that intimacy that makes you identifiable with Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 11, eh? Is that right? The... People, the believers in Antioch were first called what? Why? Because they saw something that was identical with Christ. They saw their behavior was like Christ. So Christian was actually little Jesuses. So like, they will see my son and they will say, ah, your son looks like you. How many of you know my boys? I have two boys and two girls. Everybody who sees them outside, they see one, they say, ah, you look like uh, Mr. Nibin's, uh, 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 are, you, are you his daughter? Is it true? Me, I don't see that similarity, but people always say so. They say, your daughters look like you. Then they meet the sons, they say, oh, your boys, they look like you. Is it true? Do they look like me? <laughs> do they behave like me? More important. When you see them, do they behave like me? Yes. Yeah? Do they talk like me? I mean, the association, the association should be a proof of something. The genes of Jesus Christ must be in me as a Christian. My genes are in my boys and girls. Even though their mother is white, one is that they are black like me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's because my genes are more powerful. <laughs> Amen? And I'm always happy to say that. Because, I mean, it's true. When you see that, you don't know that their mother is a white woman. You even they are darker than uh, this planema. 
I beg you, you're not a flying man. But you look like that. Hey, you know, people flying man, those who know Nigerians, the top of the country, they're flying people. A lot of them are fair colored. So when we met them first in Ghana, every fair colored person we saw who was from Nigeria, we called him a flying man. But they are not all flying man. But Nigerians are darker than a flying man. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ, um, oh, let's go back to my slide. Jesus Christ called us friends because he gave us the ability to be identified with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. But not only that, but he gave us the word also. The word to sanctify us. In John 17, he says, Father, I pray for them. Because your word has sanctified them. I pray, God, that you continue to do what? To sanctify them. The word sanctified us so that we can be his friend. That is what makes us familiar with him. That's what makes us similar to him. That's what makes us continuously declare our loyalty to him. Because he is like us and we are like him. That's how we have the mind of Christ. And my last point is this. To enable you to be able to make the declarations that have substance, you need to have the example of Moses and Enoch. I was reading in the book of Joshua again. And I believe it's in chapter 10. When Joshua was fighting uh, the Jebusites, no, sorry, the, the, the Gideonites came out, not Gideonites, Jebusites came out and they said to um, Joshua, our enemies have come to fight us because we are in alliance with you. So come and defend us. So Joshua went out and asked God, should I go and fight? And God said, yes, go. Now when they went to the battle, I believe in verse 12, Joshua said to God, Father, let the sun stand still and let the moon stand still until we have vanquished our enemies. Now when I was reading this, what was interesting was that it made a reference to a certain book which is not in the Bible. It's called Yasser. So I went on the internet and I looked for the book of Yasser. It's one of those books that is accepted in the other scriptures that uh, the Catholic churches. Um, so the book of Yasser, and I went in and I looked, and it talked about how Enoch behaved and lived as a follower of God. All right. And what did Enoch do? He wanted to be so close to God, this is what he did. He fasted one day a week, dry fasting. Then he will hear from God, then he will come and teach. Then he went back and he will fast two days. Then he went to three days. Then he went to four days. Then he went to five days. Then he went to one week. Then he will fast the whole week, hear from God, and come and teach. When I read this reference, I said, hmm. What is it there to teach me about what Joshua declared? To the extent that this book, which is not in the Bible, is also the Bible, but it's talking about the work that Joshua did. It's recognized that Joshua was so close to God that he could raise his hand and declare and say, Son, stand still until I overcome my enemy. He declared a word and it was... Will we go out and do the same? Moses was so close to God to the extent that 
Bible says he was called a friend of God. Why? Because he spoke to God face to And in Numbers chapter 12, it says he was the most humble person on the face of earth. Have you ever read that? Moses was the most humble person on the face of earth. But these are the things that made them able to speak something and it was confirmed. As we are, we started already three days ago. Today is the third day of fasting and prayer. As we are fasting and praying, I want to take this distance with you and seek God. Find Him. And you don't find Him by just mere half an hour Bible study here on Sunday or mere one hour study on uh, Bible study uh, during the week. You need to daily search God in His Word. So I have brought you two tools that will help you to do that. I'm not going to give them to you. I'm going to show you, and you go and buy one yourself. This is my own. This is my daughter's own. This one is called Life Application Bible, Study Bible. This is just called Study Bible for my daughter. When she got baptized, she got this. I bought this one for, I think when it was, when it first came, it was very expensive. In those days, I bought it for 56 euros. Now it might be cheaper. This one is like 14 euros. I'll leave it out there on the table. Look at the titles. Go on the internet and buy one for yourself. Why? Because I want you to be as knowledgeable as the friend of Job says. When he tells Job, you will declare a thing and it shall be. And then he went on to add that Job must seek God. You should identify with God. For you to be able to identify with God, I need you to hear from what God is saying to you in life. It's okay to have the Bible on your, on your mobile phone. You have a simple one which costs you five euros. But when you get a study Bible, there's a concordance in it, there's a, a, some small commentary, there are historical facts, there are timelines. It helps you with There are a lot of things that is covered on Christian topics. Marriage, sin, fornication, adultery, all those things that your mind will be playing around that you don't know. This is not expensive. 14 euros. It's not much. While you are fasting, Take some of the money that you will not spend for your food and buy this one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I say while you are fasting, the food that you are, the food money you are saving, take it and buy one like this. Or if you want also, you can buy the very expensive one. If it is even 15 euros and you buy it, and it will help you to make heaven and make you an effective Christian while you are still on earth, it is worth the money. Because why? You will have souls as rewards in your crown when you get to heaven. So let me ask a question. Then I'm going to close. My time is way past. I'm sorry for taking your five minutes. But you forgive me, will you? Is that okay? Then we are going to close. The question I'm going to ask is this. When you go home today and they ask you, what did you hear from church today? Oh, church was nice, so it was good. <laughs> no. I want you to be able to declare and say, I heard and understood that I have the mind of Christ, that I can declare things and they will be established. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. And that I need to, one, get serious with understanding God through some very serious Bible study, and that I should buy 
one of these three Bibles. Or it, maybe there are some that are even better. But I'm showing you ones that are cheap and that I have experience with and know they are very helpful. When my daughters have problem understanding anything and I'm not there to explain to them, they go and they look for their study Bible. When I come back, they are able to explain. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to teach your children also to do. I did it. I taught my children to do it. I'm telling you, do it. Teach your children to do it. And they are not only going to heaven, they will carry their friends with them. That's what we want to happen. That's what will make Bahnini a place for Jesus Christ. Are you going to do that? Hallelujah.